Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the after party where we always saw each other in meet space just a few weeks ago. Oh Whoa, my gosh, we did. What? Why? Yeah. What were we doing? I don't remember. Pie eating contest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah, it was good. It was exactly. a good time. Yeah, I learned that Brandon is actually uh, has a human form, and I was pretty excited about that. I thought he was kind of just like, you know, like a ghost Pokemon where it's ambiguous, but mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. he's a real person. Yeah, I verified that Brandon has no smell. Huh. <laughs> oh, God, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Julia's hair in person. That was neat. It was that great. Was true. Even yeah. better Julia's than on hair. video. It looks even better in person. Pew, pew. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Amanda, you were there? That was cool. I was there. Yeah. Yeah. I wore white after Labor Day. Embarrassing. That's pretty it's pretty <laughs> rude of you. <laughs> <laughs> but guys, there's not there's not enough time on the clock to talk about Eric's and my tighten ups. Uh that's, that's our tighten up to us. Um, Ooh, I hate our, that. Our extremely I loved your tight... wedding. I hated that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, tight nuptials feels worse. <laughs> our sick nups? Is that better? Our, our great nups. I like it all. Life. Keep saying it, Amanda. <laughs> uh, thank you. Because we had an incredibly event-filled three weeks of joining the party. So shall we talk about it? Yeah. yeah let's go. What let's happened? We've been away for nine weeks. Let's talk about it. So the first thing that happened, no big deal, was the conclusion of the Woods arc, where, of course, Les challenged the head of the fairies to a fairy to Cathalon, and other kinds of things happened as well. So let's get into it. First, players and Eric, any thoughts and feelings about the Woods arc as a whole? In the last chapter party, we're like, you'll see what happens. So <laughs> what happened? How do we feel about that arc? It's scary. I also think it was scary. It was scary. <laughs> we were in the woods and we were lost and it was scary. Okay. I'm gonna yeah. start I'm gonna start using that as a pull quote for the campaign. <laughs> scary? Like once we're in campaign three, it's like, all right, so in campaign one it was kind of fantasy inspired and campaign two was like superheroes and stuff, and Julia said the campaign was scary. Yeah. <laughs> it was. I also, Eric, we're gonna talk about the mechanic that you didn't get to use, but yes. I, I felt a little disappointment that we didn't get to really use it, except for the fact that I, I pulled a little boy's soul out of his body. <laughs> you sure did. You sure did do that. Let's start there. Eric, what did you have planned and how did we fuck it up? <laughs> we did too good. We did too good at this baby game and Eric didn't get to use his cool mechanic. I know. I've heard from Brandon that this is a bad, stupid baby game. Monster <laughs> of the Week. Uh, Evil Head, if you're listening. Just to be clarified, did not say it was bad or stupid. I said it was a baby game for beginners. <laughs> yes. Easy game for babies. It was yes. an easy game for babies. So you were all so good at statisticianing, at statistics, and <laughs> rolling a d6 to evoke what events happened. I also want to say I did not fiddle with the table on this, which sometimes I have to do because I only made like a, a 1d6 table. And sometimes like people roll five fives in a row. So I didn't have to like fiddle with it all that much. But this all happened very organically, like Phoebe running into Charles. Carrie Ann running into Steven and uh, Les running into Mavis Beacon. That was all very organic. I'm sorry, Eric. I, I don't mean to stop you, but Mavis Beacon, who teaches typing. Yes, Brandon, thank you. Mavis Beacon, who teaches typing. So that was all organic. And then the point when Les and Phoebe ran into each other with different boos, that was very organic just from the way that I'd rolled it. Because one of the things I had on here was you are replaced with a robotic changeling. That was something that I was trying to get across because, you know, I introducing Mavis Beacon first was wonderful mm-hmm. because it kind of established that she had this, like, mechanic background, this this robotics background. And then she, there's something wrong with Mavis Beacon who teaches typing, right? <laughs> and that was, like, the, the fairy glamour, which I've learned from listening to spirits so much. Their Thank ability you. to, like, control, you know, spirits podcasts is a boozy dives in myth and legends from a feminist and queer <laughs> hey. uh, perspective. So I really wanted that glamour that, like, Greenbrook... As we saw, he's just kind of a dweeb. <laughs> but, but when he's challenged, he'll he has to do the challenge, but he can just kind of be owned. But you know, his whole thing was control over people, and Mavis was involved in this in some way. So boo, there were two boos, right? And that's how we figured it out. And Phoebe, with uh, decisive and dangerous action, pulled souls out of people's bodies. I think it's fine. <laughs> it was incredible. So here is how the robotic changeling move would have worked. If this is in a group of two or more, swap out the youngest character. Remember, I don't remember, I asked all three of you a yes. bunch of questions, and one was about all you of your did, birthdays. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, this is going to be not good for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if that character is a player character, pass a note to this person that says, you are now a changeling version of yourself. Act natural, but your goal is to make the other characters as lost as possible. Whenever you roll, take negative three. 
If the other characters figure out this is a changeling, or after five minutes, your real player can make a kick-some-ass move as the real character to break out of the ropes that are tying them up. That's so cool. I wish that happened. Eric, if you had given me that, I would have been so awkward. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that would have been fine. I mean, that would have been great. But it would have been so good with your burgeoning crush that we learn more about in the errands. That's God, true. it would have been good. Yeah. So if this happens to a singular person, which is, or to an NPC, I kind of control it or I did it yourself, you can still pass that note along and then you narrate them running into a different character. But then later on, when you run into the field, that's when you reveal there are two of them at the same time. Yeah. That's so that was also possible. Um, the, all changelings have the same powers and attacks as the character, but their harm capacity is two because they're just a little robot. So if they got Aww. hurt, they could have just gotten destroyed. So the, I understand that this was the most, um, I don't want to say boring, but I guess like hands-off version of the robotic changeling that I controlled the NPC. I do want to say, though... I did not know Boo was going to come on this trip with you. Mm, I yeah. thought I definitely want an NPC to come with you three. But there was a thing about something that happened. I don't remember because it, it was so long ago. But like something had happened that it encouraged me that Boo was hiding in someone's backpack. Well, and I thought that would be a funny move. Didn't I do my start of session move and I didn't get help and I got a mission that was complicated? Yes, I think yes. it must. It was that. Yeah. It was it was less his backpack and then Carrie Ann like you're you were very focused on trying to fix your status with the the whatever the word is in your thing the sect, sect. yeah thank you. yeah so because of that that's why I put Boo in the backpack mm-hmm. and unfortunately Boo was the youngest so that's what happened but it's still I mean I had a really I thought it was incredibly fun and I'm really happy that this happened yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry for Carrion's status with her sect, but uh, it was incredibly fun. No, it was delightful. It it worked out really well. Like I think like it was a nice symbiosis of like what the character would have done anyway, and also like what the mechanics dictated. So I thought it was fun. Yeah, totally. Carl's chaotic entity wants to know, uh, hey, Mavis Beacon is definitely the supposedly dead monster hunting teammate of Crudo and Friday, Ooh. right? <laughs> Who can say? Who truly, can who say? truly can say? Our first I, question: Who can say? I forgot about this from last time. I think that that Carl's got this in right after we in recorded September, yeah. in September. So I really wanted to include it because it had <laughs> it had sixteen eye emojis on Discord, <laughs> Damn. and I felt like it had to include it. Incredible. Oh, you know what we can say about Mavis Beacon though. She teaches, she teaches typing. typing. She teaches typing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, the only thing that I wished that oh, I could sorry, have Sorry, sorry, Eric, you gotta stop because, Julie, let me take that clean for you so you can make it sound like I got the joke at the same time. She teaches <laughs> typing, right? <laughs> okay, thanks. The only thing. <laughs> thanks, thanks. Just the cut only... that out. Cut that out. Cut that out. You got it. You got it. Stop Leave being it funnier than Leave everyone else. Uh, the only thing. That I wish I had figured out a way to get it across was like, say, oh, Boo was a robotic changeling. It's hard to express to someone who knows a lot about monsters that they would pick up like this mystery you do in the game. So I'm just like, hey, Les, you know this. And I wish I was trying to figure out a better way to do it. But at the same time, I'd have been like, yeah, that's it's fine. I thought it was a cool thing to say. It was. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't strike me as clunky or, you know, hand on the wheel at all. Mm. I agree. We also got a lot of questions, Phoebe, about Charles the Moose. So from your perspective, Julia, and from Phoebe's perspective, what was actually meeting this decomposing carcass of a moose like? Emotional, (laughs) for sure. And I think it was actually, it was really like gratifying storytelling wise that Phoebe at her lowest then got to meet Charles and feel the embodiment of the things that she has been feeling and seeing it in person. Shout out to the Dice Man. The yeah. Dice want to tell a story just as much as we do. That was mm-hmm. so good. Oh, yeah. so good. That was fun. Being able to do that in person was really nice. And just like, yeah, and like I feel like I've known what Charles looked like the entire time. And I'm really excited that I got to explain that to you. And like, sorry that I explained mushrooms again. Yes, but I hey, know. I fungi are cool and weird. I don't know what to tell you. It's also been an interest of Julia's. And as long as Julia has been our co-player on Join the Party, mushrooms have figured into our campaign. So mm-hmm. I listen. legitimately sent Brandon about six pictures of mushrooms before you guys got on the call. <laughs> It's like, look at these cool mushrooms I saw. I actually had a question from Paul for Brandon and Eric here about Charles, which is, was Charles always going to be a moose? Did Brandon just call a hell of a shot or did the players (laughs) manifest this Mm -hmm. by referring to him as a moose? So how did that moment go? 
I will uh, respectfully sip my coffee while you answer, Eric. Oh, my God. <laughs> this was all the way back in, what was it, episode five or six when Phoebe, it was like a mystery. Charles was trying to get her to figure out what animal Charles was. And Julia really threw me for a loop. But Julia was like, hey, Les, what animal, what animal do you think this is? It was, um, it was what's the top of the food chain? Yeah, what animal is at the top of the food chain? Right. And I um, wrote a message to Brandon to say out loud. <laughs> yeah, Eric slacked me because I was like, uh, I don't know, like a fucking lion or some shit. And, uh, yeah, Eric slacked me the answer. So I sounded really confident, but that's just called acting, baby. Yeah. You know? That's you the know magic me? of editing, my friends, is that <laughs> you didn't you didn't know that I told it to Brandon, but uh, Brandon said it, and that was pretty cool. It's the but no, I've known edit, that baby. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But listen, that's, that's what we do. Like, the whole thing of trying the party is we are trying to create the feeling of being at a table and being immersed in a story and telling it with your friends at the same time. And it's going to sound and be a little different than the magic of being in the room with somebody. And so cutting out, you know, Brandon and Eric doing this and then cutting out the minute and a half it took to do that gives you the feeling of this like wonderful moment where you lock eyes across the table and one of you texts each other, passes a note, and then one of you go, a moose. Like yeah, it's, exactly. it is something I really value in a, a part of the audio medium that I think is really exciting is that you're all at the table with us, but the table is endlessly big and yet you you have perfect hearing. I almost said view, but you have a, a perfect earshot of what we're all doing. <laughs> this was also really important, I think, to Julia, to you creating your character. Yeah. Like we intentionally did the spooky and not any of the other magic classes because you wanted like a specter out there or like a a creature that was affiliated with your magic, if I remember mm -hmm. correctly. Yes, I think I requested. I was like, I don't know, like a fucking magic wolf or something that gives. Yes, me you a, said a wolf. A quest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that was really cool. So that's why I always knew that Charles was a moose. And th that's also a thing that I learned at camp, that moose is the largest fauna that currently exists. It's like a like a holdover from the megafauna of the prehistoric age. So I I knew Les would knew, know that fact. I wanted Brandon as Les to say the word megafauna, yeah. and I, that was really important to me. So I'm glad that that all kind of came together. Did you know that meese also live alone? I didn't realize that. They're Aww. solitary animals. I went Aww, on a, I like a nature uh, preserve tour thing and they have one moose and she lives alone and then we didn't even get to see her because she was so solitary Aww. she was hiding that's yeah. fair Brandon what does a nature preserve taste like is it good on bread is it ah what was the other joke that was good I can't I don't remember I don't remember what the other joke was I thought I had two he blacked out only remembering that joke <laughs> yeah exactly yeah Julia please cut out the 10 minutes of me staring forward <laughs> okay I'll shorten it a little bit yeah just okay. a little bit Brandon, I would also like to know what your and Les's plans are with your new role as president of the fairies. Mm. Uh, it was uh, <laughs> it was basically forced on you by Carrie Ann because she did not want it. But I uh, I'm glad that you get this opportunity. Or uh, the fairies. I can't oh do a my JFK god! I era want the fairies. Potty platter. Potty platter. Yeah, that's good. There you go. That's it. That's um, it. I'm going to say dirty water is platform number one. Uh, platform number two is free skies. And platform number three is all the kids you could want. A child in every pot. <laughs> Jesus All right. Christ. Incredible. Good. I'm excited for Les to follow through on that. Uh, I had no idea how that mystery was going to end, can I tell you? Like, I knew that there was going to be a challenge at the end, because the whole thing about Greenbrook, and I had this all the way back from the first mystery, yes. was that if you challenge Greenbrook, he had to take it. And um, I had a bunch of, like, thoughts that were going to happen. Like, you could challenge Greenbrook to a um, water slide dive competition. You did try to suggest that to us. That was one of them. We, we that was ended up being like the tenth event or something, or the ninth event. Oh yeah, and then yeah. but just like throwing the decathlon together was so funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and how the de uh, fairy decathlon has eleven events. <laughs> I we just did that, and yeah, I had no idea how I wanted to end it. So I'm like, fuck it, we're doing an eighties montage at the end. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that Incredible. was that was really funny. But some, I mean, you know, you don't have to, especially with Monster of the Week, you don't have to know how it ends. You should just follow your heart. Yeah. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe maybe that will come back to play at some point. Who can say? I don't know. Who can, who can, say? can say? Brandon, why would you lie and say it would come back? It's not coming back. <laughs> don't do that. The the F in JFK stands for fairy. Oh. <laughs> Brandon, I thought it stood for frog aside because I have a bunch of questions here about Phoebe and the frog in the errands. Yeah, let's talk about what up? it. Uh, Julia, <laughs> tell me about your plan to kill this frog once and for all. 
Uh, so in the beginning of the woods, I had suggested, hey, I want to kill this frog. And it just like didn't really pan out. And I <laughs> had it in my mind that like, I don't think Phoebe would tell you two about it because she was concerned that you weren't on board as much as she was about killing the frog and also it felt personal to her you know mm -hmm. yeah i will say that we did entertain that in the beginning of the woods yeah like that was all legitimate and it's because you didn't roll well that nothing happened yeah and also because you just decided to charge in to <laughs> charge into the dungeon again to see what would happen yes. so like that was 100 percent real like we could have done something else uh, or I could have like trashed that whole mystery and would have done something else. Um, so that was all. That was all legit. We had like a player discussion that we decided yeah, we to did. do something. Else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also I remembered something that we had discussed in a previous after party, Eric, where you were talking about the mechanics of Monster of the Week and how like the only way of defeating a monster is really like knowing its weaknesses and knowing yeah. how best to attack it like strategy wise so a big thing for me was i wanted to go into the errands prepared so you and i had a couple of discussions about okay how would phoebe go about actually taking care of this fucking frog man what kind of big magic yeah. stuff would phoebe need in order to trap and bind and banish him yeah uh, i actually have our slack conversation up right now I guess I had I always ask every once in a while. I'm like, hey, if you want anything, just let me know. And Julia was like, oh yeah, I've been kicking this thing around. So uh, I don't know if we want to read this verbatim. Yeah. You want me to summarize it? Go for it. Okay. Uh, do you want to be Julia, Amanda? <laughs> I think Julia should be Julia. Well, Julia. I mean, I have it in front of me on my computer. Yeah. Unless no, Julia Amanda, play me. Back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do that. Yeah. And I'm gonna play this as if Brandon is playing me. No, I'm just kidding. I, I don't have that. I don't have that skill. I can't do. I can't go that level. That's, that's too you have the range, ways, darling. You have the range. <laughs> oh, okay. Wait, should you be Julia and I should be you? Oh yeah, let's yes, do that. Let's no, do that's better. better. Okay. Let's do okay, that. So we'll see. You can start here. All right, Eric Silver, ten fourteen a.m. Hey, hey, let me know if you want something to record something for Phoebe. Ten twenty one. Yes. Hi. I want to use some big magic to summon and bind and potentially kill that goddamn frog for crimes against nature and being a little bastard. It's how doth the crocodile time. Ten twenty seven a.m. Ha. Let's go find that frog. <laughs> 10.33. And Phoebe's going to make it a solo mission because after that pep talk from Chuck, she's feeling more confident, in parentheses, and also a payoff for her dark side getting nastier, in parentheses. 10.34. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> for big magic, you're going to have to do some extra stuff to summon and bind, but could be fun. Julia, 10.40. I figured. Just let me know what I got to do, but I want to keep it a secret from the other players until the very end if possible. Eric, 10.40. Okay, yeah. Okay, so the things would be, one, since Frederick is a house demon, it lives in the big girl's cabin, so you gotta go there. Julia, 1041. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Eric, 1042. And there'll be campers there. Two, Frederick travels with its ooze protector, so you can assume you gotta deal with that. Three, as a house demon, you can only bind Frederick using some materials from the house it currently inhabits, which is lucky for you because in order to keep the Camp Diogenes spirit, they use some local wood that was harvested from some fallen trees at camp. The Savage Tree. Julia, 1045. Oh, man. Nature's coming for this frog. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here's the thing, Julia. You might have noticed that from what Amanda read was that I went, oh, hell yes, at 1034. And then at 1039, I told you what big magic was. I had to make it up yeah. in those five minutes. Good job, bud. <laughs> I had to make up what you had to do. Uh, so that was, that was wild. I did not know that this was coming and I, it was just Friday morning and I'm like, yeah, I guess a, here's a big magic ritual for you, Julia. Yay. Yeah. It was wild. Well, it seemed flawless. I, I'm really happy with how it came out and I, the Savage tree was something I had to make up right at the end was that the Savage tree was like a combination between a maple tree and a willow and that was the tree that was outside of the cafetorium, but it was a hardwood tree. So the whole thing about Phoebe using the squirrel to get it down <laughs> mm -hmm. was that like you couldn't just hack it down because Julia at some point said, I have a big knife and I'm like, I don't think a kitchen knife is going to make it happen for you. Is the Savage tree a real tree or is that something you made up? No, I made that up. I think From Savage, his brain, Brandon. I think Savage means, if I remember correctly, tree in Esperanto or something, oh. or forest in Esperanto. So I, I use that. Cool. I love it. Julia, TJ wanted to know how high is Phoebe flying after that badass display? So high. The best. 
just <laughs> just living living the dream i just love that you were on like a like an rpg side quest in the yeah. middle in like the middle of our podcast it was very important to me you know and i also like i said i wanted to keep it a secret until the very end because yeah. i wanted you guys to be like what the fuck are you doing yes no it was great and it gave me and brandon the opportunity to talk about less's feelings yes Eric, Incredible. would you say that Julia was on a twitch.tv slash ATP side quest? <laughs> I would say that. Yay! That's good for, good for you to say. Good cool. plug, Brandon. Cool, cool, cool. Um, really quickly, just before we move on from this, I was I thought it was really funny that like when Julia would ask me a question, obviously I knew it was coming, but like when I I felt Brandon and Amanda go, What? What? <laughs> Why are you asking me these questions? My favorite line from that episode is Amanda going, Was I supposed to have a Tuesday activity plan? Yeah. <laughs> <That was so laughs> funny. I know because I'm just like, all right, I guess Springer takes off on Tuesdays. Yeah, I mean, that's justified for that whole thing. Julia just made up Tuesday and then I just yes and Tuesday and the man was like, what the fuck is Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> Why does everyone have Tuesday activities? Yeah. I also, my favorite thing is that I didn't understand the fucking baking soda. Everyone got it except for me until the last fucking <laughs> second. Yeah. It was, the whole thing was great. I was really stoked on the whole thing. Especially in the beginning when Phoebe was in, around the stuff with the cafetorium in the, the first episode of the errands, when the whole conversation was Springer and then you stealing something from the cafetorium and then Jenny and Conway looking at you like you were a fucking weirdo. Fuck that was Jenny probably my favorite moment. That was my favorite moment from that episode. Jenny's out there dating a Kelpie and is calling me weird from that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kids being, uh, hypocrites weird i don't know mm, yeah weird. seriously like mm, phoebe's so strange talking to squirrels come on girl shh 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 petting your maid and what does the kelpie sound like eric <laughs> thank you thank you yeah. clip clock clip clock clip hey julia hey, f- hey julia cut that out for me so i can put it on the soundboard thank you you got a bug no yeah. <laughs> oh piss Brandon, tell me about Les's emotional journey over these episodes. Yeah, Brandon, tell me about Les's emotional journey. <laughs> yeah, Brandon, tell me about Les's emotional journey. Well, I also enjoyed at the same time that Carrie Ann's emotional journey sort of intersected. Brandon's they, fucking not going to work. You're I'm, on notice, I'm Brandon. I'm not going to. I just mean, like, we both had emotional uh, <laughs> moments at that last part. And then we did. Les got to, like, put a backseat to his and, and listen to Carrie Ann for a second, which I thought was fun. Yeah, and I think Carrie Ann was her most clear-eyed and listening to somebody else that she's been all campaign, frankly, <laughs> in uh, giving you some advice on how to apologize. I, I, to build off of Brandon's point, but we are going to go back for Brandon to talk about Lisa's emotional journey. <laughs> it was interesting because we usually don't have multiple characters in their feelings. Mm-hmm. I feel like we only have one. I can think of a lot of times in campaign two when one character was in their feelings, but we finally had an opportunity for two PCs to deal with their shit at the same time, which I thought was really wonderful. Yeah, I thought was really fun. And I just love the visual that you made Amanda carry out on top of the slide, just like kicking her feet, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, no, I mean, I think it's it's pretty self-explanatory. I think Les puts his heart on his sleeve. So yeah, I mean, I think like Les has been feeling... The complex child emotions of of scared and enamored with Phoebe for the entire time, you know, and sure. I think he had to figure out what he was scared of and why, and he did eventually, and figured out that it was his own shit, you know, mm-hmm. and not anything to do with Phoebe actually. So I think through the help of Carrie Ann, that you know he worked it out, and but also being a you know a preteen, a young a young kid, he doesn't know how to actually like make it better. Especially right. with oh, that was so funny. Yeah, <laughs> especially with someone of the opposite gender or another gender. This is also on the heels of the you know terrifying being face to face with a Bigfoot. Like that was the last after party, but for less <laughs> it was days ago. Yeah. And so coming face to face with weirdness and kind of figuring out what you want to do and move forward with, and like what is yeah. what is a weirdness you want to kind of negotiate with I I imagine is a big moment yeah like realigning the priorities of like what's actually weird and what to to trust and what not to trust yeah all that kind of stuff wrapped up into that yeah I think it was fun being able to do this in Monster of the Week because as I was saying like I have been trying to view this as like a season of television and like this is like Les's character journey you know as expressed in the background of a few episodes so far Mm -hmm. and this like these have all kind of like I I see the path that Les has gone on the entire time and I think that in this campaign it's easier to put an obvious symbol down of character growth like literally that's charles for (laughs) phoebe and literally 
it's the Bigfoot slash Phoebe for less. And then literally it's Avery for Carrie Ann. Like mm-hmm. I've it's been very nice being able to put things that are so like clearly like this is what you look like and you have had to stare at it. That was the whole point of the puzzle cleric. Right. Was like, you know, there's always those episodes of TV shows where it's like the characters reckon with themselves. You know what I mean? And yep. it's fun being able to just continue forward with that. 100%. So I think we have to uh, relive the lowest point of Carrie Ann's life, uh, which is rolling that two to director <laughs> Low. Oh, buddy. <laughs> it oh, was buddy. so nothing, good. I just want to say nothing is funnier than teenagers <laughs> talking to adults badly. Nothing is funnier. I'm curious, how did that feel for you, Amanda? Like to have Eric act, like play acting, yeah. chiding you. <laughs> I remember in, so in campaign one, I would often feel like responsible and like I had failed when my dice rolls didn't go as planned. Mm. When, you know, I want to do something as a player, when Inara wanted to do something as a character and the dice didn't let it happen, I felt like I had let down the party or the story by like mm. not le- by not like helping that thing mm-hmm. occur. In Monster of the Week, I'm fucking jazzed for failed rolls. <laughs> Just because I get to mark experience, which is a metaphor I have explained to my therapist a lot. Um, but also because it is it is just as interesting and i i am truly like have no emotional stake in what the dice roll ends up being and so i think eric acted it very well i think everything the director said was completely justified and understandable and also you know was a useful reminder i think for Carrie Ann, where if the director had said like oh don't worry he's a liar i got it thank you you're the best we'll figure this out I don't know what kind of doubt might have remained in her mind or if she would have just kind of taken it at face value and moved on with her life. But this is the way more interesting option for the story and for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. I'm trying to think of how those roles would have went is like the failure was the director turning on you. I feel like if you had rolled- Angering the target, yeah. Yeah, I feel like if you had rolled a success- the director would have confessed to you that the Alicanto did eat the whistle. Mm-hmm. But I feel like she would have lied to you if you had had a middling success. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's kind of funny how that's just how it happened. It's like, those were the three choices and that's what ended up happening. Yeah. And now Carrion is left sort of for the first time without unquestioning devotion to camp. Mm-hmm. And I am really interested to see how that goes. Not least of all, because she is faced with somebody directly afterward in episode two who did die at camp. <laughs> and Eric, my question for you is, did you plan Avery before Carrion said her dreams to die at camp a couple episodes ago? Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh, also, I want to know, were you looking at a stack of Avery paper when you did, when you named Avery or was that? <laughs> okay, so I want to touch on that first because okay. <laughs> that's, there's a reason why I did that. And I did it similarly with Mavis Beacon. There is a moment in Gravity Falls. I don't know if you all remember, but there is a one where like they go into. Spoilers for Gravity Falls. <laughs> that's, that's spoilers for Gravity Falls. It's, it's one of the Monster of the Week episodes. Honestly, it's not that big. But like Dipper and Wendy go into like this secret. Like they find a secret passage in inside of a tree and they go and there's like a lab down there. There is a guy down there who is pretending to be the writer of the journal. Right. Right. And when he's down there, they're looking around and then Dipper picks up this like, I think it's an old frozen pizza box and it's like for Red Baron pizza. And mm-hmm. then he realizes that the quote unquote journal writer and the Red Baron have the same face. Mm-hmm. And it's because the guy down there is a shapeshifter yep. monster. And I love that. That has stuck with me so much as a reveal. And I've been alluding to it both with Mavis Beacon and with Avery of we don't know what their real names are because they might have responded to a piece of media or a or an object that had a name on it that they chose. Mm-hmm. So we don't know what Mavis Beacon's real name was. That was the whole glamour thing mm-hmm. was that she thinks she's Mavis Beacon who teaches typing or maybe she is Mavis Beacon. Who knows? Know. With Avery, I think Avery's been down there for so long, Avery does not know their own name. And that is what I was right. kind of, that was what I was alluding to. And I loved that that so much. I wanted to put that final seed of doubt in your heads as you, as you ran out. Imagine if Eric had named Mavis Beacon Math Blaster. <laughs> yeah. Or Putt Putt? Yeah, this is Putt Putt Goes to the Moon. <laughs> we have some excellent journalism here by Cat Owl Dolls, who says, I looked up Avery labels to find out how old that layer, like the sticky badges, mm. um, of the wall was. So smart. Saw the original name of the company, and now I can't stop laughing. Eric, would you care to own up to what you did here? Uh, yeah, I, I followed up with Cat Owl, and I looked up what it is. Uh, this is from the Wikipedia page. The company was founded in Los Angeles, California in 1935 as Come Clean Products. Oh, no. With K's. K-U-M. 
K L E E N. K U M. K U M. Brandon. K U M. What? Yep. <laughs> they cha- the name was changed to Avery Adhesives in 1937. Only lasted two years, folks. <laughs> Eric, uh, what did you do? I didn't do it. They looked it up. Cat Owl uncovering journalism. Hilarious. You moment did this by to moment. Yourself, Incredible. Oh, no. Oh, Before no. It- <laughs> Before we move on, I want to ask Amanda, how did you feel confronting a character who stayed at camp forever, one, and then two, stayed at camp forever because they didn't feel safe at home. And that's what I was trying to get across. But what, how did that look to, to you and to Carrie Ann? No, definitely. I think Carrie Ann's first impression was that this was a potential threat, um, you know, that uh, a, a person, a creature embedded in the walls, all kinds of tools at their disposal. Is it a threat? Is it someone who needs help? And both of those things were kind of through her mind. And... By the end, you know, she realizes that Avery is not a threat, but also this is not necessarily like, you know, this could be a natural extension of Carrie Ann's sort of dream and on the heels of being yelled at by the director of having to talk to Stephen of, you know, so many truths being revealed and realizing that the adults who run the place are kind of just adults and not unimpunable <laughs> gods and authority figures. Mm. It leaves her with a lot to think about. And I think her, you know, sect mission of defend and uphold camp becomes a little bit murkier. Like, what exactly are you upholding? Is it following the rules? It it never really has been. It's been, like, doing what I think is best for camp. But what does that mean? Is Avery being, you know, trapped or is Avery getting sustained by, by where they are? So a lot of questions and a lot of big feelings and the initial thing was, like, can I get something to help me? (laughs) Slash, am I going to be able to get out of here? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was, again, I was throwing a symbol at Carrie Ann and seeing what happened. I mean, it's the most resonant possible thing for Carrie Ann to be looking at. So, yeah, I mean, the answer is like all the feelings. I thought it was really great. It was very cinematic or TV writing to me that Carrie Ann ran ahead and Les was figuring it out a little bit behind that. Like, Carrie Ann got like five minutes alone with Avery and then Les showed up and was like, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was so funny. How dare you direct quote less to me? (laughs) (laughs) Whoa! Terrible! I hate it! (laughs) We had some questions from the audience, of course, about Avery. TJ wanted to know how Avery is existing. Uh, Dark Souls magic. Oh, okay. Sure. Mm-hmm. From, that from, makes sense. From Dark, from Dark Souls? Souls the, yeah. From the video game, yeah. It's because we had to Souls. pay them a licensing fee. It was wild. <laughs> yeah. Avery was supposed to be an Elden Ring, but I made them cut it. <laughs> and the question surgeon, Michelle Spurgeon, wants to know, how long has Avery been down there? Are they cursed? Are they related to Steven? Good question. All good questions from the question surgeon. How long have they been down there? A long time. Are they cursed? No? Question mark? Are they related to Steven? No. They've been down there for either 20 years or will be there for 20 more years. Yes. (laughs) Magdalena wants to know, Eric, how long have you been waiting for players to ask an adult about the morning announcements and also to go under the gym? How did it feel when they did? How was it for the players? (laughs) Are there more secrets about camp that they haven't found out yet? That's certainly yes. Eric, what the fuck? (laughs) Yes, there is another question. Uh, some other people have asked about John's Bones Bones, especially Kazzy, three cold bones in his trench coat, who said, is John Bones Bones real? Uh, hey, here's the thing. John Bones Bones. <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. What do you all think is John Bones Bones? What do you think his deal is? I think he's real and the director d- forgot that he did that. Yeah, I think he's real and the director is just being silly for some reason. I don't know. I don't want to say whether or not John's Bones Bones is real. Okay. I don't, because I like that it was, the way that that came off, I was such a perfect moment, I think, between Carrie Ann and the director, mm-hmm. that Carrie Ann brought up a weird thing, and then the director's like, what? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. Which she could say to anything Carrie Ann says for any number exactly. of reasons. Yeah. What I will say <laughs> is that, you know the problem I have of how to start episodes? And I really wanted to work on that during this campaign. I just came up with that framing device of John Bones Bones in the moment when we started the the first time I did it. So, like, I didn't know necessarily. I know now. I don't know if I want to say necessarily what I know. But Mm -hmm. I do have an answer for it. I just think it's fun. I just honestly think it's fun that it's a question. Here's what I'll say. I always wanted the question to come up if John's Bones Bones was real. Of course. 
Yeah. But he's got to be real because what are we putting? This, there's a suggestion box, like a question box. So either all the kids hear him and none of the adults do, and the adults are like, "Where are they oh. putting? Why are they putting questions in a box? Why is Carrie Ann writing in a, on a waffle with a sharpie?" <laughs> yeah. So I don't yeah. know. Is he making the announcements at dog whistle frequency? Have we thought about that? <laughs> mm. Only people under the age of whatever can hear it. Yeah, exactly. Nineteen k. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. So that's what's with John Bones Bones. Like, he, I know the answer. Who knows, right? The wonderful thing about doing the world building game that we do is that I have a lot of secrets I get to bring back to you that a lot of y'all made up. <laughs> Remember, Amanda made up below the gymnasium. So I was been waiting on that, but you know the way that Monster of the Week plays out is like you really only want to use one thing at a time. So it, I wanted to play that out. So yeah, there are plenty of secrets that are still at camp that we haven't touched on, and I'm glad that we had opportunities to run into some of this stuff. But again, it's like the world building game is divorced from the um, the storytelling itself, and like it can only be triggered by the characters doing a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, the whole point of playing a world-building game is that no one has any ego because there's no character yet, Yeah. right? And that's what I find fun. I will say, since Brandon introduced the How Doth the Little Crocodile game in the world-building game, mm-hmm. I have been wanting to use that for, like, a fucking creepy-ass scene yeah. since the beginning, so... Brandon, thank you for letting me do that. Julia, you made me so happy. I smiled <laughs> while editing it <laughs> multiple times. Yeah. It's incredible. It's wonderful because I also didn't have to do anything other than be a scared little frog. Good. Like, it was fun. It was really fun playing that scene out because I'm just like, well, Frederick's pissed. <laughs> he's upset <laughs> and he's scared. I also, slightly unrelated, but I was going to go back to Carrie Ann for a second. I loved that scene and the way the dice roll went because of the ending of that episode where we get a peek into the psyche of the director, where it was like, mm. I don't know if you had always planned this, Eric, or you just did this in the moment, but like the fact that the director was like, now that I am director, like as if it had been her ambition for a long time and got yeah. it. And, you know, now when you the dog finally catches its tail, what do you do with it kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just love that little moment, that little uh, parallelism. Yeah, I mean, that's the structure of the TV show. I really wanted to put something in there. And also, like, this is the ambiguity. We can't forget that Stephen foretold someone would turn on everyone else. And it could be the director. It could be any of the players. It could be any of the PCs. And I just don't want anyone to forget that kind of, like, nugget that runs through this entire season of television we're playing on the podcast. Could be Tater Tot. Tip could be Tater Tot. Fuck. Could be. Yeah. Listen, maybe Tater Tot's, I don't know, like a creature and kills everyone. Probably. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> Well, awkwardly, I made some twice-fried tater tots for <gasps> appetizers, so I'm going to run into the kitchen and get them. Yeah! I'm so hungry. Mm. Thank you. Be right back. Hey, it's Eric. I don't know if there's something about, like, the global supply chain or maybe this is just getting older, but it's very funny aging into certain companies. Like, all of a sudden, all I want my entire closet to be is full of Land's End and L.L. Bean because it's, like, it's sturdy, it's well-made. And, like, you know, listen, I've been going to American Eagle for, like, 15 years now, but at some point I'm just like, can I wear these anymore? Are these shirts well-made? It's like, I want I want all of the shirts that a grandpa wears because it's, like, soft and, and cuddly. So, welcome to the mid-roll. I hope you can find a flannel that is sturdy and will last for many winters to come. First and foremost, shout out to our newest patrons, Evan and Kimberly. The party never stops over on Patreon, where we have our patron-only Discord, which, as always, is the most wonderful place on the internet. At just $5 a month, you get access to the Discord, plus party planning audio, which you might remember is the Patreon-exclusive podcast where the Join the Party hosts just kind of hang out in the most recent episode. Brandon and Julia just reviewed Amanda and My Wedding. It was very fun. Thank you so much for doing that. If you're, uh, if you want to spend a little bit more quiche on us, there's ad-free episodes at eight dollars a month, video content at ten dollars a month, and more and more and more. Please go check it out. It's what lets us do this full time as we are cooking up incredible stuff for the future of Join the Party. Patreon.com/slash Join the Party Pod. 
It is a bright and shining morning for you to check out another show here in the Multitude Collective. I think you should check out Exolore. Have you ever wondered what life would be like on a planet different from our own or how writers create your favorite fictional worlds? Well, wonder no longer because we got the facts for you. Every other week, astrophysicist slash folklorist, yeah, you heard that right, Dr. Moya McTeer explores fictional worlds by building them with a panel of expert guests, interviewing professional world builders, or reviewing the merits of worlds that have already been built. I've been on to talk about the uh, Pokédex and Pokémon, and it was so, so, so much fun. You'll learn, you'll laugh, you'll get an appreciation for how special Earth really is. Check out Exolore by subscribing today wherever you get your podcasts, or go to exolorepod.com. Moya is truly one of the smartest people and most interesting people who exists on this world, and it's incredibly wonderful that we get to have her making this wonderful show here at Multitude. We are sponsored this week by Inked Gaming, where you can get gear for your home games or your gaming friends because gamers need gear. I love that they have custom items where you can put logos, mottos, or silly inside jokes on them permanently. It's like a tattoo on your stuff, which is fun. It's merch, but for your own campaign. They work with indie artists and always pay royalties to the artists they work with, and we so we think that's really particularly neat. So go ahead and check out their mouse pads, their playmats, their dice bags, and the other essential gaming goods that you can only get from Inked Gaming. And just for Join the Party listeners, they've given us a special 10% off discount. They don't do this for all the podcasts. They don't do this for Mark Marin. They just do it for Join the Party. All you have to do is go to inkedgaming.com slash join the party and use promo code join the party at checkout. The discount is then automatically applied to your order. That is inkedgaming.com slash join the party and use promo code join the party at checkout. We are also sponsored today by Backblaze. They provide unlimited computer backup for Macs and PCs at just $7 a month. You can back up documents, you can back up music, your backup photos and videos and drawings. All of the data that you need to make sure does not disappear because it's all of our lives, it's the music of our lives, it's backed up securely to the cloud, which you can access from anywhere in the world using their apps for both iOS and for Android. They have restored over 55 billion files, billion with a B, files for customers. And if you ever have a disaster and need the whole hard drive, they can send you a flash key or a hard drive restore right to your door. You can get a free, fully featured, no credit card required trial at backblaze.com slash JTP. That's backblaze.com slash JTP for a full featured trial. Finally, the show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes you wish that life came with a user manual. There are so many things that I wish were explained to me that are just out of reach. Like, how are you supposed to comfort your friend when they're having a hard time? Or how are you supposed to explain to your parents that you need to lay down boundaries without making someone upset? Or how are you supposed to create magic that don't involve pulling bones out of your body and using them as magical conduits? I just wish someone would explain it to me. Luckily, therapy is the closest thing we have to that user manual. And the easiest way to get therapy is through online therapy like BetterHelp. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available on 100% online. Plus, it's affordable. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a therapist, and if things aren't clicking, you can easily switch to a new therapist anytime. It couldn't be simpler. No waiting rooms, no traffic, no endless searching for the right therapist. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash join the party. That's better. H-E-L-P.com slash join the party. And now, back to the after party. Amanda, did you get gravy to put on these twice-baked tater tots? Oh and my cheese God. curds? I'm yeah, so I made individual cups of garbage plate. Oh, yeah. Little Dixie cups. Oh, that's now I want that. I, <laughs> folks, it's not happening. I wish it was. I really wish it was. Uh, why are you ruining the magic, Eric? Because I'm hungry and I wish it was real. I have leftover poutine in my fridge that I am going to heat up when we're done. So let's wrap this up. Oh, fuck. I'm planning to make casserole tonight with tater tots on top. It's going to be great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
All right, people, we have some game and character questions, beginning with Abby, who says, Okay, wait, I just thought of something. Is Steven an anatomically correct skeleton made of only bones? Because as someone who is a physical therapy student, the thought of him being made of bones with no ligaments is more terrifying than him just being a weird magic guy. He's a classic skeleton. He's got no ligaments. Yeah. No. Honestly, wouldn't that be so scary if it was a skeleton just with ligaments? Yeah, that yeah, would be worse. worse. That, that would be, be so more much body worse. horror. I can't come up with that. That's some Jinji Ito shit. That's not me. Fun fact, Les has double ligaments. That's oh, That makes sense. Horrifying. That, that's what happens when you go through puberty at eight and a half. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's also the thing. I recently watched the original Hellraiser for the first time recently. And part oh, of the shit. plot is like they have to keep murdering people in order for this one guy to like gain his flesh back oh <laughs> and like so there is a lot of like different versions of like skeleton to full flesh man that they show and i'm just like all everything in between this is bad <laughs> happy halloween november 1st <laughs> <laughs> jay factorial wants to know the recent episode with the photo finishes and bigfoot eating fairies made me wonder if we would ever see a flash forward for the best friends like a where are they now type situation maybe in the final episode mm-hmm. who can say who can say? I, I will say, very I, cool. the thing I can say, cool last name, J Factor. I wonder where it came from. Mm, party sure planning. Is. It came from party planning. <laughs> the cheese witch underscore for you, Julia, wants to know, when are they playing the ill-fated games of seven minutes in heaven and spin the bottle at camp? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. CIT cabin? Oh, no. That would be, like, too much. I feel like I would. I was blushing listening to Les talk about Phoebe. <laughs> I don't think I could handle that from a role play perspective. Yeah, we're not role playing that, but assume it's happening. It's yes. definitely happening. Oh, it's certainly happening. The problem is, like, it's happening at camp, but the best friends are not cool enough to get invited to those. That's very parties. true. Yeah, I think they definitely call it seven minutes in hell here, though. It's definitely- oh, for sure. <laughs> assume Dougie Juice has kissed everyone. Okay, yeah. just assume Dougie Juice has kissed everyone. And Jenny oh. and Conway just flip a coin and heads or tails. They kiss. <laughs> Pretty cute. Now, Jesus I did just imagine Dougie Juice being like, spin the bottle for me from his bed. And then when he gets somebody's like, come here. <laughs> Gross. Yeah, have we ever seen him walking? I don't know. Hey, Dougie Juice is 6'1". He can do whatever he wants, apparently. <laughs> KM says, no question. I'm just declaring I ship Phoebe unless. Yay! <laughs> me uh, too. Can you ship something that has... Not subtext, but textual you can. observation. Is that true? Yeah. Of okay. Course. I just want to check. Okay. I also ship uh, Phoebe and Les because I, I'm participating. Oh. <laughs> and similarly, Keeks226 said, I just want to say I love and support Phoebe, and she's very special in every way. Heart, heart. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I also want to say, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before or not. Uh, just assume any character I play is bisexual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, great uh, segue, Julia, because Dice Obsession said, okay, so all of no. Eric's NPCs are Jewish. So what did Bigfoot's bar mitzvah look like? <gasps> was it themed? Who attended? And what was his Torah portion? <laughs> Eric, tell us. It's incredible was question. Like I feel so owed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, you remember the thing I said, but also like, damn, you got, you sure did get me. You, you done got me. Listen, just imagine in your own head. I don't even want to sully this beautiful question with an answer. I just like, great question. I bet it was something from Leviticus about like sheep. Um, yeah, it was one of the map. one of the counting, just one yeah. of the various counting yeah. uh, ones. Uh, Ray Carey said, "Did anyone else feel kind of sorry for Frederick the Frog? He may be super mean and annoying. That's a frog fact, but he's also still <laughs> a rare and mysterious magical creature of camp." Frog emoji. No, no. he's <laughs> manipulating little girls into thinking that they're like special, and then making them do difficult life-threatening challenges no no he also uh we all know that slimes are beautiful human beings with feelings and passions and he has somehow convinced this slime that's true to do his bidding and that's bradwick wrong. our beautiful bradwick i mean this is a great I, it's a great question I, i'm glad that you felt this way because i also felt that way about frederick the frog a little bit myself it's like him being a house demon he like he there's something going on with it or him, I forget what, I didn't want to gender Frederick the Frog, like who fucking knows, but it's like, there's something going on in this monster demon's head that's like, not only am I a house demon, so I protect this area, but also someone's going to come in here who is the chosen one hero, and I'm going, it's my responsibility to test them to make sure that's true. And like, that's so weird 
this like weird amalgam of of stuff happening, and of course Phoebe didn't like that and did what Phoebe had to do because he, he it sucks. You're gonna put that on. I totally agree with Julia that uh, like he's gonna just put this on random teenage girls. Like that's wild, unacceptable. Yeah, there's something going on in Frederick's head that this demon thought this, and I I, I was always thinking about like what was Frederick doing before folks came down here like what 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 did they do what were they who who also had interacted with frederick that was definitely something i was i was kicking around in my head traby also says when carrion inevitably goes through a rebellious phase what rules will she break and i would want to do a little round robin here what rules do we think <laughs> carrion would break when she gets rebellious oh she's gonna stand on grass that was just seated yeah <laughs> uh steal snacks from the cafetorium without letting springer know wow good damn. good Go to bed like five minutes after lights out. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Amazing. I was going to say wear socks that are not regulation, like slightly <laughs> too short or too tall. <laughs> with like with bold stripes on them. Exactly. Yeah. Like a slightly off camp green. Yeah. And now into some questions about the podcast and us as people. Um, this one's from Ricky Yana. Uh, not a question, but Aaron's One is one of the funniest episodes this season. I have never laughed so many times Aww. during a workout. People probably thought I was possessed. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. We love to hear it. Ben Hoover asks, Eric, how do you decide what to give as rewards, like Phoebe's Arrow, the original Camper Handbook, etc.? That's a good question. For Phoebe's Arrow, that was something that Phoebe had kind of looked for or wanted. And I think that there's something about like being able to give, in Monster of the Week, giving people better equipment. Mm -hmm. Because leveling up is so like odd and specific to the playbook itself. In terms of the handbook, I think that that was something that Carrie Ann was looking for. For Monster, for Monster of the Week specifically, I feel like I'm responding to what the move is looking for. Or the, the intention of the character during that mystery. So it's like, if you roll well enough and you figure it out, I'm not going to say, like, what did Carrie Ann want? Carrie Ann wanted some help. You were looking for something from the beginning of camp. Like, yeah. something, a pure Archives. distillation of what camp is. Exactly. And, like, I'm not, not going to give that to you, so I wanted to come up with something that was interesting. Oh, I forgot that it, it was, like, skin-bound. That was fun. Uh -huh. I forgot about that. Well, I did Vellum. say, is it made of humans, human leather? And you said, maybe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Some real Necronomicon shit. I, uh, I really like that one. Miranda says, I was listening to the September after party while driving in my car and saw a license plate that just said Frosty during the part about the origin of Crudo Anaconda's name. Ooh. So, of course, I started singing to myself in the car. Crudo Anaconda was a jolly, happy soul. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> With... Uh, with uh, an eye patch a coat to fill in three <laughs> and uh, has a crush on Friday. And a mother good. complex. There you go. Oh, oh yikes, yikes. <laughs> TJ says, touching on something we discussed earlier, is Charles the link between campaign two and the campaign? Are there purple mushrooms on the moose corpse that have animated it and given it sentience? Oh, interesting. Mm, no. <laughs> no. No, that's wrong. <laughs> that is a real who can say. No. No. Incorrect. Buzzy uh, B. This is my podcast. <laughs> Shut up. Buzzy B boy says, I forget if someone asked this already, but what is everyone's favorite NPC so far? I don't think we have had that question yet. Julia, Brandon, what are your favorite NPCs so far? I mean, Tater Tot is everyone's favorite, of course. Of course. Mm. I mean, it's Boo, but I do have a newfound love and appreciation for Springer, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. This is such a rude answer for the listeners. I loved the NPCs we met in the unrecorded first practice one shot that we played, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, which yeah. actually you will learn more about soon. Mm -hmm. uh, hang on for that. But I, I loved the, I loved Zev. I think the most. I think Zev is my favorite NPC so oh, far. Yeah, just Zev pound for pound fun. of like, yeah, plot impact dialogue and just like really relating to a kid. It's Zev. Zev is on like the screen rant list. That's like best NPCs from one episode of the campaign. <laughs> You know, I think I'm gonna say uh, my favorite is Les's sister more. <laughs> oh right, it's true. Brandon, true. I'm so glad that joke stuck because I just said I it like on a fucking whim, and now it's a thing. <laughs> when I listened to it again in the episode, I said, "Fuck you." <laughs> there must have been. I I also love Les's whole family. Did I do an impression of your parents at one point? I, I must so, have. Yeah, you did the mom being like, Les, if you see a woman with a, a branch, oh, yeah. just know. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so I like doing it in French. Uh, let, uh, your crunchy, your incredibly crunchy, outdoorsy, REI ass mom. Mm-hmm. 
Kazi, three kobolds in a trench coat, wanted to know, um, hey, Eric and team, would you ever do an evil one-shot or campaign? If not, what kinds of villains would you make for a join the villains? I ask because Phoebe gives off strong evil vibes in this episode. <laughs> I would fucking love to do that. That would be fun. And that you just fun. heard Julia's impression of Eric when Eric thinks of something <laughs> super cool to do. So who can say? Yeah. Yeah. I think we'll do that at one point. I mean, I, I really, you know, I love threading that stuff into sometimes larger campaigns. So I'm sure we can do that at some point. Um, I ran that for Three Black Halflings once. Uh, on their feed, mm. I ran a one shot of them being villains in Lake Town City, which was super fun. And I had a bunch of like NPCs from our campaign as well. So I've done it before. It's quite it's quite silly. That episode was great. Yeah, maybe when we have some extra time between things, we could do like a return to Lake Town City where were we were talking to you, Eric. I was talking to someone where I think it was Dimension Twenty did a return to a campaign where the DM played their PCs. And yeah, I'm trying to remember where that's from. I think I that's a critical that role thing. Critical role. Oh yeah, I was talking to Eric Schneider. It was critical role. Yes. And I love that idea because we could go back to LTC and our characters, our PCs could be older, like mature uh, superheroes. That could be fun. And then like we play villains and like, yeah, I don't know. That could be fun. Yeah. That'd be really enjoyable. I love playing evil characters. As we can tell, a lot of my like one shot characters have been kind of evil. Not really (laughs) evil, but kind of evil. We could challenge the uh, big super little super program graduates to like a, a throwdown. Yeah. Oh my god, that would be so funny! You guys fighting team yeah. superheroes, yeah, that'd be great. And then you have you have like multi tool and Val and Killanova on the sidelines, being like, "You're left, you're left." Fuck. <laughs> ah, shit. Oh, that's funny. Master of None says, Eric, it seems like you've been creating more space and opportunities for everyone to take the reins. Is this more a reflection of your GM style growing and changing or a difference between Monster of the Week and D&D? Interesting. Very good observation. Um, Yeah, I definitely think it's a difference between Monster of the Week and D&D. There's a lot of stuff that, like, require – you have to tell me the action you're going to do before you do the move on your play Mm. book. So I literally need to ask you, like, what does this look like before we can even entertain – like, that's just – from the game system. And again, I've talked about this a bunch, but like it's really important to see the differences between game systems and how that reflects in, in play and in storytelling. Um, this is something that I think that I, I'm pretty good at in terms of like tabletop RPG podcasts. So it's yeah. something I really always want to do. Is we agree. To turn over. We Thank agree. You. It's try to turn over as much as possible to the players so folks feel invested. Like our world building games. I didn't realize how revolutionary it was back in campaign one when yeah. I asked all of you during that one episode about like how everyone's doing. Yes. Um, but uh, you know, it's something that I really like doing and um, hopefully we can keep like the, the spirit of this going if we return to a game that doesn't have this stuff baked into the game system. Hell yeah. Who can say? Who can say? And a final question before we get into the future of the campaign and how this will all come to a a conclusion. Paul most recently asked, but others have asked as well, if we had to translate the best friends into D&D characters, what classes do we think they would be? Mm. I think very easily Phoebe is probably a warlock. Sure. Yes. I like that. Given her relationship with Chuck, probably got to be a warlock. That's interesting. You can throw some like forest vibes in there as like a, you taking this from the spirit of the forest. Yeah, I think that's you think that's not a cool. paladin. No, I don't think so. Oh yeah, because I guess you get your powers from like nature. I think Carrie Ann feels like a paladin. She feels like a fucking mm, uptight jerk yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> who's enforcing law and order only. That's yeah. incredibly correct, Amanda. Who's who's your uh, like in D and D terms? What's your like god? Like your Camp. I know it's camp, camp. but like, what do you, it does it have to have like a deity, Eric? I forget what paladin. Yeah, with you know, that's what Dungeons and Dragons tells you to do for clerics and for paladins. That like you gotta, it's uh, your magic comes from like your devotion. Well, for paladins specifically, they come from you're your like devotion, a holy knight, right? Yeah. yeah, you're like a more of a holy knight, so you can do it Pledge. from an. Some of these uh, paladins are from ideals as mm. well. Yeah, yeah. I, I think pledging fealty to director of camp is the is the the way. That Love could be cool. Mm. Yeah, this is the way. Which is essentially the playbook I already have, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure. I mean, like, obviously, like, fighter would work well. I mean, what do y'all think? I don't know. I feel like less is, like, an inquisitive rogue, maybe? Like, one of the, like, not stealing things, but, like, mastermind or inquisitive. 
That could work. Rogue is really interesting because Les is only really good. Sorry, I'm not going to say this meanly. I mean this <laughs> truly. Les is really good at like only two things, which is like figuring shit out about monsters and running really fast. Yeah. And that feels very similar to rogues, how they're like really only good at two things. Especially mm-hmm. the like investigator flavor of rogue. You can have like really kind of detective bent on your on your rogue. Yeah, so that plus like your incredibly high dexterity would that makes a lot of sense for less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I'm into that. Never played a rogue. So maybe a future campaign. So uh, so, so sneak attack works like this. <laughs> <laughs> and our final question of the day, Evity wants to know, how many future episodes have you already recorded? All of them. Good, oh, good question. Eric, tell us what's coming up. Yeah, I can 100% say how many episodes we have because we've recorded the remaining episodes of the campaign. What? Plus, <laughs> you were there, you know. What? Plus some episodes of the next campaign. What? <laughs> so... To answer the specific question, we've recorded five episodes of the campaign, the remaining five episodes of the campaign, plus two more episodes that are coming out far in the future. So, Evity, to answer your question specifically, it's seven. (laughs) However, I want to be clearer about what our calendar looks like going forward, right? So, next week... On November 8th is the first episode of the next mystery, the campaign episode 16. Then the week after that is campaign 17, the second episode of that mystery. We're then doing an after party in between because of the way that after parties are split because we have five story episodes left. So that's going to be on November 22nd. So we haven't recorded that yet because we need your questions. Yes. Mm -hmm. Then after that, we have three finale episodes, our final mystery of Monster of the Week of the campaign. Episode 18, 19, and 20 are on successive weeks, November 29th, December 6th, and December 13th. That will be the finale episodes. And then we have a after party at the end of camp, which is on December 20th. You guys have to do a candle lighting and lock locking ceremony. (gasps) As we go on, <laughs> we remember. This is our holiday, our holiday times, our winter times gift to y'all. It's finishing the campaign so everyone feels resolved. Yeah. Camps together. <laughs> if you don't retain information well auditorily, don't worry. I've already made graphics and I have posted them to our socials. So please check that out for you to see the end of the campaign schedule. After that, We've are like I said, we've already recorded episodes of the next campaign of Campaign Three. We we we're very excited about it. We're not sure if we're gonna go right into Campaign Three or we're gonna do something in be- like a month of stuff in between, so of just of, of something a little bit more fun, a little bit less fiction to give our editors a little bit of a break. I think it'll be fun, but we haven't decided yet. But we know what we're doing. We a hundred percent know what we're doing. Next. There's an epic campaign three, and we know our characters, and we know our mission, and God, I can't wait. (laughs) It's tight as hell. So after that episode on December 27th, we'll tell you more about this in the finale after party. And I know you... you, I know this isn't what uh, it sounded like, but our editors meets me and Julia. <laughs> so That's true. We need, to, That's <laughs> we need to sleep. We would like naps, please. I would like to nap. I also need time to uh, write a theme song. So. <laughs> oh, That's true. right. Good point. Good point. But we, I have a very good idea. I've already suggested this, and I think we're going to do it. I have a very good idea of what we're doing immediately after the campaign as well. So, like, we have an idea. It just depends if we're going to go right into campaign three or we're going to do this thing for, like, a month before we do that. You know how how lifters never skip leg day? We never skip a Tuesday. We're not skipping a Tuesday uh, <laughs> at all, people. You're going to get new join the party every single Tuesday from now until certainly we plan till the end of 2023. So, so uh, you got lots yeah. coming. Don't worry. Have you seen our calves? They're perfect. So thick. They're cut. They're jacked. They're cut. They're, they're pokeable. They can cut glass. <laughs> Oh, no, I don't want that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, people. Any final thoughts, feelings, questions, concerns? uh, Or shall we bid the fine folks here uh, a good evening? I have all the feelings, but we can... We don't have to dwell on them. I want to say my favorite episodes of the campaign are yet to come. Uh, Shit's about to pop off. I can't wait. It's so good. And I think you guys are going to really love how the story concludes. Yeah, Yeah, I'm glad you all are enjoying it. Thanks for listening. I can't even say what my favorite episode is. The ones coming up, I'm very excited about, but I'm like, do I like it more than The Woods? Do I like it more than Crudo Anaconda? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a big question, but this, it's been really satisfying. I hope all of you feel satisfied by the way that this 
20 episode campaign has been coming together and working with the story like it feels like a TV season has been really fun for me and I hope that it comes together a little bit better than maybe some finales of TV shows you've first seen in the past. Hmm. We're sticking the landing, people. Yeah. I'm going to say it now. We're just going to kill less and he's going to be an angel? Yeah. Is that what happened at the end of Supernatural? <laughs> angel or demon, who can say? Who knows? Phoebe will uh, say that she has feelings for less and then he will completely ignore the, that she said <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Hey, Eric, Eric and Amanda, that was a Supernatural. No, I got that. that. I knew that. I just yeah, yeah. knew. Carrie Ann's going to walk into a restaurant and then it's going to be an immediate blackout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do have one final unrelated thing to anything we've talked about that I want to say. Yeah. If you're in the U.S., go vote. Go vote. Yep. Yes, do it. Oh, that's your right. ballot now. That's right. I forgot. This is coming out on Halloween Extended. Mm-hmm. Definitely right. do that. Also, all, right. all of us were together for our wedding and it went really well. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. It was really cute. It's fun. Really cute. All right, folks. Well, uh, until next time. Bye. Bye, guys. Later. May your rolls turn ever upward. Or if they don't, it's fine because the monster of the week is really good. Okay, bye. <laughs> if your rolls are if your rolls are bad, it actually creates a better story. So it's fine. So it's fine. It's fine. Bye. 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 So ignore what we said. It's fine. Let me bring you know what? Let me bring up the monster mash because I wrote it out clearer on there, and my notes for this were gar- were absolute garbage. I it was, was working in the lab late one night. It was a mash with my eyes. Yeah. It we was a mash. mash. We did the monster mash. Rap for daddy. Rap for, for daddy. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I'm ready. Shock the body. Shock. Shock the body. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs>